0: Downloads of this show are available at podomatic.com or the Podomatic mobile app. Hey kids, you are listening to Radio Free Brooklyn and this show is Fish Out of Agua with Michelle Carlo. Today is Tuesday, November 20th, 2018. Oh my god, it's almost the end of November. Thanksgiving is coming. Wow, what a year it's been. Well, yeah, I guess that's the way it is. A year starts, a year ends, and we go around and around and around And as long as we do. And I picked this song to open this episode because with all that's going on in the world today, I kind of feel hopeful today, and I just want to be a light and shine, even if only for a little while.
1: me on the ground and fly me in the sky Show me where to look
0: We're back with Fish Out of Agua on Radio Free Brooklyn. Now you might be thinking, wow, Michelle, that was some 90s tune that you dug up there. And you would be absolutely right. That song that you just heard is Shine. It's by a band called Collective Soul, and it came out in 1993 as part of their Hints, Allegations, and Things Left Unsaid album. That's a pretty cool name for an album. Wow! Well, we are going to continue a little bit with our 90s kick here, only because our guest artist this week happened to pick this song, quite fittingly I may add, to open we their episode. Get
2: a milkshake, this honey ripped me off all my loop kicks, the car, oh yeah, there's money in my jacket, somebody broke it till my riding cold macked it, yo tip I tell you man, the devil's trying it. But I'm going to stay strong, because I ain't buying it. Tonight I'm taking sherry out. I don't have jack to wear. You know I got to look different in the fresh to get. Cool, I found something, so I iron it. I think I caught up on the phone, Oh no shit, I'm frying it. Will someone tell me what did I do to deserve this? I think I'll pull out my seat for Sunday service. My little brother wants Barney. Cool, I'm getting it. Took him down to KB. They ain't selling it. Here we go with the crime, yo, he's throwing fits. My blood pressure's blowing up, I can't take this shit. I finally got what he wanted, now it's good to go. Again, the rival smash. Where's my radio? What's how my car was in the shop, I had to borrow, see? They had no mercy on the car, Leo will kill me. Where the hell can Nikki be? I'm gonna smack her up. I got two tickets for the Knicks, and she gon' spit me up. I need to hit a honey-off drill me past the phone. Pulled out my fucker hose. Oh, yo, Sheila's home. Steady, smiling like mother. Your arm wrecked a mother. Yo, I'm bone. Went down on hunt. She's in the red zone. Stressed out more than anyone could ever be. Forever trying to clear the samples for my new upbeat Everybody knows I go to Georgia often. Got on the flight, and I ended up in Boston. With all these thousand tribulations, yo, I've uh, been affected. And to top it all, stars got ejected. Help uh, me out, Problems. Help me out, Help me I'm having LPA problems. Problems. Help me out, Just last week, my girl was stressing me. Uh, now her best friend being dressing me. But uh, I was loving her by the moonway, uh, Now I'm tricking um, on, her like Kente. Bought Ism from the smoke shop. Walking towards the car, here come the damn cops Now I'm stationed bound for the tie sticks I bought it for my man, I don't believe this shit Coach sat me down from the ball team Cause I was breaking niggas on the NCs. Some niggas crossed town was trying to stick me All I had was shorts, a dollar fifty Picked up this girl in the hoopy Just because her auntie tried to suit me Pay for this, pay for that, Loop for nails in here Who the hell you think I am, Mr. Belvedere? Go and get a bloody job, then can we look cute? You give me boots you never see my loot. she wasn't even all of that just another hooker simply turn that ass away quick like Chucky e. booker sometimes you got to put the holes in the freaking place just school from in front me with your body fears problems. Problems. lord knows i'm having problems help me problems help me problems, help me problems. Help me jesus christ i'm having problems By the Riverside, side hey, you be a you know what I'm saying? Love Peaks, and for 93, you know what I'm saying? Drop Oak West, and Shaheen and Tip. This is how we flip. My man Muhammad in the house, huh. Zulu Nation in the house, huh. Sub Rock huh. huh. is in the house, My man Skeff in the house, huh. Jerobe is in the house, power in the house come on, come on. Huh. my man Eric in the house come huh. my man like you in the house come on, come on, huh. be out, out now Help me 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 Help me me
0: And we're back. With Fish out of Agua on Radio Free Brooklyn, you just heard 8 million stories by a tribe called Quest from their Midnight Marauders album, Also in 1993, the same year as the Collective Souls shine. Well, we're going to move forward because we have a lot of show for you with a fantastic guest artist. Yes, 8 million stories. I always kind of make that joke about myself that I have 8 million stories about New York City. But our guest artist this week has them also. So sit back, relax, because now it's time for my favorite part of the show. Whoa, whoa. everybody welcome to fish out of agua's guest artist of the Woo! we are officially i know that i've jumped the gun and said this before but with this episode we are officially on the countdown to episode 101 wow i have a fantastic guest artist for you this week storyteller educator and arts advocate annie tan hi everyone Hey, so thanks so much for being on the show. Mm-hmm. Thanks for inviting me. It's, uh, it's great. I mean, when I heard, I heard about your work and I saw you and circumstances conspired to get us to yes. be sitting in this room next to each other. Absolutely. <clears throat> um, one question I ask everyone at the beginning of our chat is how and where did we meet? And the answer to that is Facebook. Yeah, but how did, where do did we meet in real life? Like now. Now. Like today. Yes. Like five minutes
3: ago. Yes. I have never seen you before. We gave each other a fake kiss and a real hug, and now we're here. I remember that there was a call for a mentorship
0: application, mm-hmm. and I wrote something on... This is the power of social media, people. Yes. I wrote something on the New York City Storytelling Group on Facebook, asking if anybody you know, wanted to do this. And you emailed me and said, yeah. So we went for it. Once um, you contacted me, I looked you up. I was just floored by the depth and breadth of your storytelling
3: so quickly. Because you haven't been a storyteller for very long, have you? No, not at all. So I... All right, this is a very stupid, like, I feel really stupid saying this out loud, but I found out about the moth, like, the storytelling things from the uh, show Girls, you know, that everyone's supposed to yeah, yeah like, yeah, millennials. Yeah, the,
0: the, the, yeah, the yeah. millennials on HBO that live in mm-hmm. Greenpoint and ruin the neighborhood. Exactly. The same exactly. way that the then-millennials in the 1990s in, from Sex and the City mm-hmm. ruined
3: the East Village. Absolutely. And the meatpacking district. Yep, yeah. and as a girl from Chinatown, Lower East Side, I understand that wholeheartedly. Um, and so... Basically, the trajectory of the main character is that she tells a story on stage um, at the mall. Oh, and she then, goes to a story slam. Yes, at like the I didn't end of that. season three or something, and then it gets picked up on like the New York Times's Modern Love. Wait, her story went
0: from a moth story slam to being on Modern Love. It's a, it's an HBO stupid. It's, it's show. fantasy. Yeah, it's fantasy. It's exactly. fantasy because Modern yeah. Love is 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 essays that you have to like write and submit exactly. And a, and a story am story is just, it's a five
3: minute story that you tell on stage. Right? Exactly. Wow. Exactly. So it's wow. garbage. But I was also like, oh, if this garbage human being can tell a story on stage, oh, I can definitely snap! do better.
0: She went there. <laughs> oh snap! Did you really think that? I really thought that. So in other words, watching this on television said to you I can do this better oh yeah wow and then what what happened so
3: like I think I don't remember when that was like 2015 or so I I had been living in Chicago at that time like Mm. I, I had started out my teaching career so I'm a special ed teacher and it's my seventh year teaching which is beautiful and I was like I don't know anything about the moth but I know it's in New York so when I moved back to New York a little over two years ago I was like maybe I should go to a moth thing and so I think like a museum, the Bronx Museum had like free admission for like people to go to them off. So I was like, why not go to them off? Oh, you went all the way up to the Bronx to, yeah, go to the, the Bronx Museum. Wow, and they're really
0: nice people, and it's oh, a really good they? venue. Yeah, oh, yeah. they're so kind. The Bronx
3: Museum is great, and it's a wonderful place, everyone should go. Um, and that was December 2016. Wow,
0: and so it's two years ago.
3: Yep. Almost yep. exactly two years ago. Yep, and it was right around when Trump won, and everyone was miserable, and I told a story on stage. I, I, Of course, I got picked right out of the hat the first time ever being there, and I got second place. That's great. And I'd never told a story on stage before. Wow. So that was just two years ago, and then... Well, and then you yeah. won. No, I never won. You never. won? I've never won. How? So I've only told like three or four stories at a spot But slam. you've been on the main stage and you're yes. on the podcast and yes. the
0: radio hour. Yes, I was just you, on the podcast. And yeah. you haven't radio. And you haven't won. Nope. See, and people think that you have to win. They get all competitive. That right. like they need to win. They need to win. They need to win. Right. See. Coming in second ain't so bad either. Yeah. I still want to win. Like yeah. don't be Yeah, just get you me know, wrong. no, no, no. No, there's nothing nothing wrong with mm-hmm. winning, but it's not a prerequisite to jump starting anything else. No. One yeah. of the things that I have found is that the storytelling community is amazing with this yes. embracing and acceptance of new people all the time.
3: The first person I met who was just so friendly, Richard Cardillo. Mm, Oh, he's amazing. He's an amazing human being. And then Brian Berlin was another one. Um, And just a lot of people um, just welcoming me with open arms. Like, I heard your story at the Bronx Museum. I heard your story the other time. Like, just keep going. Just keep telling this thing. You've got stories to tell, girl. And I'm like, yes. And then I get a text message from a moth person. Like, hey, you want to tell the story again? And uh, we'll pay you and fly you. And
0: I was like... Pay me and fly me. And yeah. this is when you went to Chicago. Yes. And you told the story with Nestor Gomez, right? Yes,
3: yes. Who is an, also an amazing human being and who's also brought me on to tell stories with him at his uh, 80 Minutes Around the World show world around immigration stories.
0: You are yes. currently the Moth It Girl. <laughs> you're, you're, the, you're the It Girl of 2018. <laughs> you, you had what they used to call a meteoric rise. Yeah. How cool is that? So let's talk about how... What, what your uh, beginnings were. Yes.
3: Um, before you saw girls. <laughs> so yeah. are you a native New Yorker? Yes, born and raised in Chinatown. In Chinatown, okay. Yeah. And uh, border of Lo- Chinatown and Lower East Side. Oh, okay, so, like
0: Lower East Side Chinatown. Yep, yep. So, um, and you, I'm going to assume mm-hmm. that you're first generation? Yes. So, so both my, your parents are from China or Taiwan? China. Okay.
3: Yeah, so they immigrated here and then I was born. So, like, it'd be funny, like, we'd be going to, like, Fish markets where they'd be descaling fish in front of you, and then we go over to the Orchard Street Mall, you know, when they used to sell, like, the leather jackets Mm -hmm. and whatever knickknacks that they were selling at the time. That must have been
0: when you were young, because it's not like that anymore. The pickle
3: guys are still there. Yes. You know, all of that beauty. And and then I had a Chinese-Hispanic grocery store, like, kitty corner for me, and a synagogue across the
0: street, so, like... Isn't that amazing? The diversity and the beauty of what makes New York City one of the best most inclusive most accepting places in the on the entire planet is in such danger of just being destroyed Absolutely. daily did your parents bring you up speaking chinese first or english first
3: so they don't know english to this day for reals for reals yeah so she knows very few english words she of course she knows homework oh okay. she knows office she actually can read the word office um school like you know all the important words when... right so, so that 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 that
0: make you get in trouble so you can't get over on them
3: yeah, yeah. exactly um, but I, I mean, I was such a good kid growing up. Because like, I was like, mom's working two jobs. Like, dad's working six days a week in construction. Like, I I can't really be a bad kid. Because like, if I do bad, then they're, they're going to go off on me. Because they're so tired all the time. So do you have siblings? Yes, I have two brothers. Um, But it's funny. Are you the oldest? I'm the middle child. And I'm also the only girl. Ah. And in Chinese culture, you being the girl means like, you're supposed to be the quiet one. You're supposed to listen. You're supposed to like... You know, like in traditional Chinese culture, like mm-hmm. you're sent off to your husband's family and like you're part of their family now. Well, how traditional are your parents? Uh, I'd say like one to 10. I feel like now they're seven. I feel like they were like eight or nine earlier. Really? Yeah. So when did you know that you had a creative temperament? Did that come out early within you as a child? That's interesting. So like I always knew like I had some creativeness. I remember in fifth grade, I, like, wrote this poem about a homeless guy, and it was only, like, five lines. A homeless guy uh, being in leaves and trying to, like, live, but, like, everyone around him is, like, passing him by. And then the last line I just remember was, the homeless people shiver and die. And I remember my fifth grade teacher, she decided to take mine and, like, read it out loud. And she didn't read anyone else's out loud. I was like, oh, like, maybe it's important. And then, like, in sixth grade, I went to 131 and we had drama class for three years. We were the only class to have it for three years. I guess like the teacher loved us yeah. so much that she wanted to keep us. Sibling. Ms. Hodges, by the way, thank you very much, much Ms. Ms. Hodges. Yeah. Shout- Ms. Hodges, shout. Linda Hodges from 131, you're amazing. Shouting out on the air. Maybe she'll hear this. <laughs> yeah. So do
0: either of your siblings exhibit any creativity? They are both engineers. Oh my God, <laughs> stereotypical. So stereotypical Chinese men. So I yeah. guess your parents must be very thrilled with them. Yeah. So how thrilled are were they when they found out their daughter had an artistic writing temperament? So,
3: oh, my God. Was there any conflict there? So there's all these conflicts. So when I was six, I told them I wanted to be a teacher. I knew at six years old because, like, I had Miss Sheridan, another shout-out to a teacher. And, like, it's so hard growing up in Chinatown, like, when you don't speak English. And, like, I cried all of kindergarten. Like, poor Miss Glassman, like, must have been a saint to put up with me. Um, so, you didn't speak English until you went to school? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, we, we, it was school. as if you were an immigrant,
0: although you were a citizen?
3: Yes. Because my parents didn't speak English. And all of us were Chinese, because Chinatown back then was like 96% Chinese. But now, like, all of the schools are like slowly like integrating because of just what's happening with Chinatown. Yeah. It's like the number one uh, gentrifying uh, neighborhood in New York City right now.
0: So, mm-hmm. let's get back to your parents. So, what happened when your parents found out that they had made a creative? entity how did how did that go and when did they realize it or when did you let it out and what type of
3: what kind of reaction did you get middle school didn't matter because like high school like I took a test and went to Brooklyn Tech they didn't know anything about what was happening in middle school but high school I was like I joined the chorus I was president of the mural painting club I couched it in doing this stuff before college so like they wouldn't bother me as much they would bother me if it was like at night or something, if we had like a chorus competition, like at night for like Nisma or something. Shout out to uh, Jim D Benedetto from Tech, by the way, who taught me I could sing. Um, and it was just one of those things where, like, there were pretty much everyone around me still was um, a kid of immigrants still. So like, even though like I was at a really smart school, like all these kids were working class or like lower middle class. So like, we were all trying to figure out like how to do fun stuff without like buying anything and I didn't date at all in high school so like I and I had no interest because the guys were kind of schmutzes you know <laughs> 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 I was like Ugh. so um where did you end up going to college Columbia
0: Whoa. <laughs> so it worked was it was that your first choice it was yes wow. so I so you know now I, grew I, up here. I need
3: to know how many schools you apply to now like, five. I only applied in New York schools. I told you, I was a really good kid. So, NYU? NYU, any any school with an education program, because I still wanted to be oh, a teacher. Oh, you wanted to be a
0: teacher, right, yes. right, right, right,
3: So, Columbia, St. John's, uh, NYU, I think Brooklyn College, maybe Hunter, definitely. The only reason I applied to Columbia, I applied early decision, because that year, it was 2006, they had a grant, John Kluge, like, gave, like, $700 million or some ridiculous amount of money um, to give uh, lower income kids a free education. So any kid who made 60000 and under got in for free and got free dorming all four years. And you got that? And I got it. My, my High five yes. on the air! Yeah. Cause, Man, Annie! Yeah, because like basically if you got in, you got in from your academic merits, but it's like... Um, wow. It was just one of those like I, I was like... I better apply early decision. like
0: Right. And then I bet you when you got in, you were like, oh, snap. Oh, my God. I, be- I better be good. Yeah. Because you're getting everything for free. Right. Wow. Right. Because, you know, a lot of times when people get stuff for free, they don't value it.
3: Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? No, I worked for everything I got. I knew it. Like, it was my mom, like, the next day after I got in, because Columbia had emailed me saying I got in and said, you will be getting a... Financial aid package and your package decision like um, the next day, and so my mom's poor mom sat outside for eight hours waiting for the DHL truck to come in oh. because we didn't have like a dormant or anything. So right. like, if she missed the package, then... she would miss the package.
0: No, I know. I grew yeah. up in a five-story tenement walk-up, and yep. I, I remember my father having to wait downstairs. We grew for up on mail. the fifth floor too. Yep. yep,
3: yep, 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 yep. Because people would steal your mail. Exactly. So three days after prom, so like prom day is like. June 6th, June 8th is my birthday, right? And it's my 18th birthday, and my dad tells me, uh, Annie and kids, like, I'm going to be in the hospital on Monday. Like, right? I'm like, what? And, like, all of a sudden, like, my dad reveals to us that he had throat cancer. And then, like, he went to the hospital, and he was there for two weeks because he had gotten, like, the cancer cut out of his throat, and now he has a hole in his throat. But that's, like, the level that my parents protected me from stuff. Oh my god! Like he he kept it till the last minute. Is your father still alive? Yeah, he's completely fine. But like it was one of those things. Like I didn't know that. Like I was so happy to be at home. I remember like in July of that summer. Like I went with him to Speech Path, and he he hadn't talked. He, he couldn't talk yet because he didn't know how to, like. And I had to translate because my parents don't know English, and the Speech Path. Like I like you know I had. my dad like do what the speech path was telling him but translating and he said his first words after like having his trach and he just had the biggest smile on his face and I was just like this is why I'm home this is why I stayed in New York because like if I weren't here he wouldn't have said that and both my brothers were out Doing whatever internships or jobs they were doing, so I was the only one who could be. Well, they're boys, home. so
0: they're allowed to be. Gone. Right,
3: right. Yeah, girls are supposed to right. stick around. Exactly, they could be out till two a.m. and I gotta be home at ten p.m. You know.
0: Idols, I, yeah. I get it. I get it. You know
3: what that means? Yeah, <laughs> seriously. So you majored in education mm-hmm. at, at Columbia. I was an education and urban studies major. Wow, that's so, cool. So that was your bachelor of arts. BA in urban studies and education because wow. I was like I know I'm going to be a teacher but I want to make a difference so like how does urban ed look like because I knew I always 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 have wanted to teach kids of immigrants or immigrants themselves like I'm like because I was that kid like I want a teacher who understands what it was like going yeah, through that right yeah, no, no I totally get thing, it you, know? you you yes
0: yes because it, I think it's important for especially kids that are that really formative stage from like, you know, first grade to like sixth
3: grade. Right. right. Yes. To see someone who they can relate to. Yes. A student of mine asked me, Miss Tan, is are there is there still racism today? And I told him, I was like, yes, there's still racism today. But like the biggest way to combat it is um, to just get to know each other. And like that's how other people fought racism. Like lots of Black people and Latinx people have been fighting it for so many centuries, and it's because of other people willing to get to know them that, and fighting for them and fighting for their rights, like Sylvia Mendez and Martin Luther King, like we've read. Like that's how we get there. And it is. Yeah, my kids like that seems so hopeful, Miss Tan. (laughs) But it is. It's the power of stories because
0: stories let people see. How we're alike yes. more than we're different. Right, it's, we're, we're all the same. Right, every single culture has
3: the relatively same types of right things within them. Right, which is why it's so important to tell these stories because, like, no yes. one knows that people right. think like Chinese people, like me, are like we're all rich. We all like only care about ourselves, and I'm just like, no. But that's not true. Once mm-hmm. we actually listen to each other and like mm-hmm. try to understand each other's stories in freshman year. I, like, I signed up for the Students of Color Leadership Retreat, Sokler for short, and it was just, like, all these people of color who were, like, social justice And I was like, oh, this is cool. And then one of them told me about this documentary, Who Killed Vincent Chin? Um, and backtracking, I'm sorry, if you go on the Moth Radio Hour uh, episode Squeaky Wheels, you'll hear my story about how I found out I'm related to Vincent Chin, who was this guy in 80, 1982 uh, who was killed in Detroit because these two white laid off auto workers thought he was Japanese during the auto workers crisis and he was supposed to get married um, but all his wedding guests went to his funeral instead
0: Oh my gosh heartbreaking was he like was, is he like your uncle?
3: Yeah, he's my oh. uncle. And so I found out about that when I was 13 so I'd been looking for this documentary forever. So this guy just happens to be at this retreat. It's like, yo, you should watch this. I was like, that's my uncle. Like, I've been wanting to watch this forever. And the next day after this retreat, we had gone, like, upstate, fancy retreat. They put us up in, like, this, you know, cabin or whatever. Um, And then the next day, I'm, like, sobbing in tears watching this with other, like, like like-minded students of color on campus. Did... Your parent, who was the sibling of Vincent Chin, know about this documentary? So Have they seen it? They've never seen it. No. Um, Do they know that it exists? I'm. Not, I actually don't know. So you'll hear in the moth story uh, if you listen to it that my parents moved to America after Vincent Chin was killed.
0: Okay. So your yeah. parents
3: met in China and got married in China. Yes. They got and married. And they came in China. here as a married couple. Yes. Okay. Yes. And uh, my mom is Vincent Chin's cousin. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that's how he's related to me. Gotcha. Um, and uh, and I saw that and I was like, oh, I got to hang out with these students of color. And later on that year, I found out there was like an opening in this like dope social justice house, like of all like these queer pe- and people of color and indigenous people who are all like fighting for justice in some way. Like there's a, a campus group called Lucha, which is like this Latinx group of people who are all like fighting for social justice in some way. Like there's a Native American council... People from the Native American Council who are like, fighting for Columbus Day to be called Indigenous People's Day. And, like, just all these people I'm, like, learning from, you know. And so I, I lived in the house for three years. Wow, what a, what a fantastic background to becoming an educator yourself. Yeah. So did you
0: become a teacher straight after graduation? Yes. Or did you have to go for your master's first?
3: Um, I went straight after graduation. But, of course, in 2011, when I graduated, there was a recession going on. Um, and New York City had a hiring freeze on elementary school teachers. So I was like, oh, how am I going to do this? I moved to Chicago. You moved to Chicago right after graduation? Yes. Why? Because um, I didn't. I couldn't find a teaching job. Oh, you couldn't find a teaching job here because of the yep. recession. Gotcha. And I ended up doing a program for, called Teach for America. Don't do it. It's a <laughs> terrible program. If you Google my name and Teach for America, you can read about the terrible experience I had with them. Like, long story short, I got fired from that school. Um, after a year of teaching there um, it wasn't the right fit It, it just didn't work and for two years after that I thought it was my fault and you're in Chicago and I'm in Chicago I don't have as much of a friend network like I'm you know I'm Fresh out of college, I just broken up with my boyfriend of three years who I thought I was going to marry, like, all this life was, like, imploding on me, and, like, I felt like I would failed for the first time in my life. Jeez, it sounds like you had a real quarter-life crisis. Yeah, yeah. I <laughs> 23 years old. Yeah, it was pretty terrible. Um, I feel like that, like, gut punch, though, when you, like, fail that badly, or, like, you feel like you failed that badly, like... That's that's the place where all the stories start coming from. Oh yeah, because the it,
0: it either you internalize it and you end up hurting yourself in some way or you get it out mm-hmm. and, and and then it has no more power over you. Exactly anymore. So you're 23, you're in Chicago, all this bad crap is happening to you all at once. You have to figure your way out of it because that happens in your 20s. You. Yeah. But then one day you turn on HBO and you see a television show (laughs) about people that are your age
3: and you see someone tell a story and you go, what? Right, (laughs) right. And it's funny because, like, in that time period, like, I feel like that year after I got fired was such a formative time. Like, you know, I was around, like, union activists, teacher union activists that were like, yeah, this is not unique to you. Like, a lot of charter school teachers have failed because they're trying to bust unions and so i started getting involved in the chicago teachers union um, and i actually became their uh, co-chair of the special ed committee after like a few years of oh, wow. coming and this back is to still, teach. In, still in chicago still in chicago um, i took a year off to be an assistant for a year and then uh, while getting my masters and then after getting my masters i uh, and while working with these teacher union activists i got another teaching job And then I started working with the union because I was like, gotta tell the story. Gotta make sure, like, people know it's not, like, not anyone's fault that you're in a terrible teaching situation. So, what made you decide to come back
0: to New York from Chicago? I mean, I I joke Mm -hmm. and say it's the girls' episode, but I'm sure it wasn't. I'm sure there were other things going on. No, definitely
3: not. It was, so I'd done a ton of activism work. Yeah. And around that work, like, I was understanding the intersections, and I started this work in college when I was living at uh, my the intercultural house um, in college. And in two thousand sixteen, or two thousand six, yeah, in two thousand sixteen, there was a case of a Chinese American police officer who had killed a black man in a stairwell. So Peter Liang accidentally shot. A Kai girly in the stairwell yes, and it ricocheted yes. off the wall. That was a
0: big polarizing case oh my God. at that time. It was huge. It, it was awful. It was terrible. It was it was tragic. Yes, it was tragic. And and because they were the both, he and his partner were young and, ex- and inexperienced. They they screwed up right. instead of calling nine one one which could have saved the man's life, they were more worried about what was going to happen to them. Exactly. And precious minutes were lost, and therefore the man died.
3: Right. Poor man. Oh, God. Poor Kai Gurley, I know. Oh, my God. And he had a young child, um, and, you know, he was just walking in his stairwell at his house, um, at his apartment building. And so um, the Chinese community here in New York Um, started saying like, yo, we got to protect this guy, Peter Liang, but we're using very, very anti-black arguments. Like, Oh, that's not good. No. But it was completely controversial because Akai Gurley's auntie was there and there were reports that some Chinese protesters were sticking the middle finger to her, which is just terrible. And they were holding up signs like, uh, one tragedy, two victims. And I'm just like, oh my God, like, are you... Are you kidding me? Like, you're saying that, like, you're trying to protect this cop when, like, this poor family has, like, suffered a loss. And, like, I completely understand that Peter Liang, like, you know, he was young. But the fact was, like, this was the first guy to be indicted in many years. And so the Chinese community is like, this is not fair. Um, But then other people are like, you should indict. It's not just that Peter Liang should also be indicted. It should be guys, like, who killed Eric Garner. Daniel uh, Pantaleano I, right. I forget yeah. his name. The the case came out, you know, the protests happened, and it was really controversial. And then the next day, someone, uh, a woman named Shirley Eng, wrote an article saying that Peter Liang has suffered the same injustice that Vincent Chin did. No. And I lost it. No. I lost it. Oh, my God. My friend uh, Calvin sent the article to me, and I had happened to take a personal day off work, a mental health day, and I freaked. And like I was like, I need to write something. I'm going to lose it, you know. And like I called people from the organization CAV, uh, C-A-A-A-V, uh, which does a lot of uh, anti-gentrification work in Chinatown and protecting Chinatown tenants. And they had come out very early on, like when Akai Gurley was killed, saying that they support Akai Gurley's family. Because that was basically the only org, one of the few orgs in Chinatown who were like, We support Kai Gurley's family. Peter Liang should be tried and found, like, by a jury. Like, all of it. Um, So how did this get you back to New York? We're we're, we're on a tangent here. Yes, so, CAV, like, had been villainized. Like, there were hundreds and hundreds of Facebook posts against them. Multiple members of the org had been doxxed. Addresses found of them like people like in the Chinese community going to people's families' houses and hunting them down saying what a bad child they had. And I called one of my friends who works at CAV. I was like, what what do I do? And he was like, you write an article. You take out all the pictures of your family members on Facebook or any social media because you don't want any of your family members hunted down for this. You write from your heart. And I did. I I spent, like, eight hours that day writing and writing and writing, sent it to my brother, sent it to my friend Belle in San Francisco who was in law school so she could get the facts straight. Um, and then uh, I put on medium, like, 8.30 that night.
1: Wow. I found out
3: in the morning that the case had happened. Um, the, that night I... Um, put it on Medium, and it blew up. Like Really? In the first, it went viral? Yeah, in the wow. first hour, like thousands of shares on Facebook, Twitter, it was shared What's out. What's the title of the, of the article? Um, it's, oh, I can't even remember. Uh, oh, Peter Liang is not a victim uh, from uh, Vincent Chin's niece. That's something like that. Wow. Yeah. Went viral, like 10,000, at least 10,000 hits that night. Like, easily. Like, probably 20000 maybe. And then Huffington Post uh, messaged me. and was like, hey, like, saw your article. Can we post it on our website? And I was like, yes, you Did can. they pay you? No, they didn't pay me. I think, like, when Huffington Post does it, like, you you do it for free. First yeah, and then, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then it was on the front page. But this is the first time I've outed myself as a relative of Vincent Chin. And, of course, my family, who are also relatives of Vincent Chin... I didn't ever think they would see this, and the next day, it got translated in the World Journal in Chinese, oh. yeah, like, because you don't think it's gonna go there, like, you don't think anything you do on the internet will translate, um, so it got translated in the Chinese newspaper, so my relatives saw it, and they're, and then I, I get frantic phone calls from my parents. They're like, Annie, take down that article now. And I'm like, that's not how the internet works. Yeah. You can't take down an article. And I didn't want to. I was like, even if I could, I don't want to. Like, I'm not taking this down. But, like, people had been calling my grandma nonstop and saying, like, what a bad grandmother you are for raising your granddaughter like that. How could you let her out? As How could you let our relationship to Vincent Chin be political like this? Like, um, you can't do this. And... That was when, like, I realized how deep the anti-blackness and the anti-politicalness was in my family. Oh, my God. And I realized, like, all of the organizing I'd done in Chicago around social education and Asian Americans and teachers unions and Black Lives Matter, like, none of it mattered unless I was doing it at home. Like, if, if I wasn't doing it with my parents and my family, like, none of it mattered. And I was, like, a big old hypocrite. And I, I had to go home. Wow. Yeah, which is why I had to tell you all that just now. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Like, even the calf stuff, like, I know, like, my family, like, felt like they were being doxxed, you know? And, like, they don't want the story out there because Vincent Chin died in such a terrible way and our family lost the case. Like, they don't want it out there. And I'm just like, but that was such an important case for Asian American history. Like, how can you not say it out there? Yeah. He's
0: just as important as any of the people that have been slaughtered wrongfully. Right. It just because it happened 36 years ago does not make it any less
3: important. Right. And it's that intergenerational trauma, you know, that they don't want to hit, you know, that, like, it makes it so real, you know. And But I was like, I I can't just stay here in Chicago. I I never, I thought this was stay with me in Chicago, like, that I could just do my activism work here. But, like, there just comes a point when you know you got to go home. So you came to New York. What led you to getting these stories
0: out further in the world through the moth and storytelling mm-hmm. platforms?
3: I'd read a book around uh, storytelling-based organizing, where organizers around the world use stories to move people and to make them uh, do something. you know. And then after Trump especially, like it was November 2016 that he got elected, and then December 2016 was when I told my first story. And I was like, there's... So many of my people, like so many Chinese Americans who just don't do anything. I was like, if I can keep telling stories about food, about our people's food, around immigration, around Vincent Chin, like maybe people will do something.
0: Well, this seems to be a good place for this.
3: A little Pascal tells me that you have a story to share for us. I do have a story. So I'm going to tell a story about my third year teaching in Chicago. Okay, Mm -hmm. so take it away, Annie Tan. So as a special ed teacher, um, it's kind of like detective work because you always have to figure out like what the special need is for your student, whether it's like a third grader in my class who's still in diapers, right, which I've actually taught, or a kid who like has such behavioral and emotional issues that when he freaks out, he runs to the door and tries to run out of the classroom. Mm-hmm. Or if it's a kid who doesn't speak, and so I had a kid who didn't speak, I'm going to call her Grace, that's not her real name. And uh she has autism and um she like I could tell immediately that she had uh you know, she was smart and like she was interesting. She was going around the classroom exploring things. And one day like she started like humming the song like uh, 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 Sounds kinda like the Mr. Rogers Neighborhood song, but I asked her mom, What's that song? And it's the Daniel the Tiger neighborhood song from um the TV show that for kids. And I was like, Oh, she likes songs. So I found the Daniel the Tiger neighborhood, the karaoke version, and I started singing it with her. And I started showing her like the words, like with picture cards, so like she could like figure out the pictures. And then I started reading her books like with uh picture cards on them and I'd be like, you know, like the three little pigs, like, uh you know, who is, um, who is in danger in the story? And she'd point to the three little pigs picture or she'd point, you know, like, uh, and I'd have like, well, what was the problem in the story? And I'd show like a picture of like maybe the pigs or like the house blown down or whatever. And she'd point to the house blown down. And I was like, this girl, like definitely, like she, um, she definitely is smart, but I got to figure out how to access um, her communication skills. And so I'm trying to figure out like, through songs and so she starts singing songs of me and I teach her everything I can and I find out there's this program called the PEX program which is where you use pictures to communicate right and I asked my principal like hey like grace like would really benefit from this program so would my other students can I go to this training like you know I'd be out for a day you could get a substitute like and it's covered it's free you don't have to pay anything and this principal says to me Miss Tan where do you think your kids are going to be as adults? And I freaked out in my head and I was like, what? And he told me, your kids aren't going to be anything as adults. They're going to be at homes. They're not going to make anything of themselves. And I was like, wow, right? But like, I, I went above him to the district and I got to this training. And in November, I got a second training where Grace's mom was able to come. And we learn about like some devices that Grace can use, and like the mom. Like at the end of the day, she tells me, Miss Tan, like I've always thought of Grace as a handicapped child, but I see what she does at school, and I see what she's done with you in the past uh, two years because she's been this her second year with me, and I know she's not handicapped. I know she's an individual, and I got to start treating her this way. And I'm just like crying cause like who who am I, like this third year teacher, like to know anything about teaching kids. But all I really did was believe in this girl. And um and I keep teaching and my principal keeps like not like supporting me. And I ask around with the staff and I find out that um he's fired three teachers last year. And he fired all three through a human resources email. He didn't even bother talking to the teachers. These teachers found out they had been fired through an HR email. And I was like, this human's terrible. He's got to get out. And so that year I became the un- one of the union representatives. Of course, untenured teacher, right? Um, and I worked with the uh, local school council in Chicago. Uh, they evaluate him with the teachers and they found out he... Like, you know, he has scathing reviews. And before these reviews can come out, he decides to retire, right? So we're like, okay, he's out. Maybe maybe we can have a better school year. Maybe, like, I can teach my students. Maybe whoever the principal is that's coming in next will be better. And And then in May, I get an HR email because he's fired me. And this was the last day of Teacher Appreciation Week. And so for weeks, I'm sobbing and I'm sobbing and I'm like, how could he do this? Like, how could I be so stupid being untenured and being my union representative? Like, how could I do all these things? Like, and then then the next following weeks, I, like I'm teaching my class and who else is crying but Grace? And Grace is on the floor, on her back, like twisting back and forth. Anything a teacher doesn't want. But she's screaming at the top of her lungs and she goes, no, no. And the assistants and I are just crying because she said her first word ever in class. And we're just like, yes, yes. Because like, and it's just amazing to watch her. And Grace, for the first time, has said this word no. Because I said this word no to my principal who had said no to her education. And I left that school at the end of the year, but I knew from then on that like, just believing in my kids could be enough and just speaking out for what was right was enough. Yeah.
0: Oh, my God. I have held in laughter so many times with someone's story. This is the first time I have held back tears. Yeah. That's an amazing. I'm crying story, right now. Mm-hmm. You made such a beautiful impact in Grace's life, and mm-hmm. do you do you have any inkling on like her progress to this point? At so, this point, so
3: I went to visit again last February um, because I was in Chicago and um, I actually saw her and she smiled at me. She's a, she was in fourth grade that year and like she smiled with me and looked at the camera, which she didn't do. She didn't say very much because she's still working on it, but. Um, Her teacher said she's uh, got her communication device, um, and she's been communicating more. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And that's why I tell stories, because really at the end of the day, you just got to share your same experiences, because even though I got fired a second time, um, I wouldn't trade any of that for the world, any of it.
0: And the world certainly would not trade you, Annie. Mm -hmm. So, where do you foresee your storytelling taking you in the future? Are you p- performing anywhere soon? A- and how can people find you? It's mm-hmm. a three-point question. Yes. A three-part question.
3: So, Brian Berlin told me about those story nights on Mondays. You know the name Happy of it. Hour Happy Hour Story Hour. Happy w- Hour Story With, with hour. Julia Whitehouse. Yes. So, I'm going to start going to those um, after Thanksgiving. Um, and just start practicing some of these stories because... I've never told that. I've told that story once at um, a teachable moments uh, story hour, but I've never told that story outside of it.
0: Wow! And, so this is the second time you've ever told that story. Yes, that was the second. time. Oh my time. god!
3: I'm so honored. Yeah. Wow. I'm honored to tell it. Um, so I got I got stories for days. The Moth has plugged me to tell a few things, um, but I'm gonna I'm gonna try to win a story slam. So try to see me at a Moth story slam in the future. Um, I just want to keep getting my stories out there as much as I can. Um, in terms of where to find me, I'm on Twitter at AngryTeachR. I'm like so far from the angriest person you could ever meet. I stole it from Angry Asian Man. Thank you, Phil You from A- Angry Asian Man. Because people don't ever think of teachers as angry people. But you've seen from the wave of teacher strikes through the nation, that we are definitely angry and we're definitely fighting for our students. Don't mess, I
0: I could see you leading a million teacher march, girl. For real.
3: Okay, so you're on, are you on Instagram? I am on Instagram as Annie Tangent. It's a private profile, but you can find me. And do you have a website? Uh, I do. It's angryteachr.wordpress.com. That's my blog. Okay. And Facebook? And Facebook. It's, it's a private Facebook account. Oh, okay. So, okay. Yeah. So, like her on Instagram. Twitter. And Twitter. I'm very active on Twitter. If you DM me, I usually respond in a few hours. And go to a website. Yep. Yeah. All right. And I'll let you know if I'm a, at a thing. So, Annie, I ask this of
0: everybody when we get to the end of our chat together. If you had a word of advice or encouragement... For a young person who wants to be something, anything, doesn't even matter if it's creative, anything more than the constraints of their environment or their parentage or their school thinks that they have the right or the ability to achieve, but this child knows they can do more,
3: mm-hmm. what would you tell this child? So if I was telling, like a student of mine, I say, look for your strengths, fight like hell to, like, keep on that strength and don't let anyone tell you that you can't do it. As for an adult, like a young person like me, like, I would say, like, I, I've I done so much that, like, surprises me. I didn't think I would ever tell a story and stage. But I think as a young adult, don't ever think you can't do anything. Just go for that dream because you will regret it 10 years down the line if you didn't try it at least. My best advice is to keep on... Uh, no regrets in this life, really.
0: You are an old soul for a young human, Annie Tan.
3: I have been told that by many, many humans. And I
0: truly and seriously hope that now that we are acquainted, we will remain friends. Yes, we will. Thank you so much for being on Fish Out of Agua. Thank hug you, you on so the much. Air. We always end with a hug on the air. Damn right. woo
4: whole years oh so. no.
0: And we're back with Fish Out of Agua on Radio Free Brooklyn. You just heard another one of Annie's picks by Lady Gaga. The song is called You and I, and it's from her Born This Way album back in 2011. Well, kids, guess what? That's our show. You have been listening to Fish Out of Agua on Radio Free Brooklyn. And I have one announcement. I want everyone to hold the date thursday december 13th for radio free brooklyn's holiday party at braven in bushwick more information at radiofreebrooklyn.org imminently we're going to close with the last of annie's picks it's from system of a down the prison song from their toxicity album in 2001 stay tuned for brooklyn bandstand next and we'll see you
1: next week Woo-hoo!